All right, we are back. Episode two of the podcast that we are either calling the Cameron Lazies or Ariana. The Cameron Collective, which sounds classier, but lazy might be more apt a description. (laughs) It is. I think the Cameron Lazies is funnier, um, but I feel like maybe self-limiting that people hear it and they're like, Oh, just a bunch of bums. <laughs> uh, well, the Cameron Collective sounds communist, which is definitely the thing we're going for. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> a uh, red zone podcast here about the Blue Devils. Coach K and Mao Zedong <laughs> are the two heroes. Now, watch out because China and basketball have a very contentious relationship right now. And we're going to explore that in the most controversial way possible <laughs> over the next 45 minutes. Or we won't be making LeBron James level stupid comments, though. <laughs> just Steve Kerr level, cautious and cowardly. <laughs> Um, so, okay, I'm Shane. Obviously, I'm here with Ariana. Uh, Ariana, we are talking Sunday night. Uh, Duke is two days away, finally, from starting the season. We're going to be playing Kansas. Uh, and we just went through two exhibition games, the first one of which you were at. Yep. Um, I was in Ireland, and uh, you, I believe, were the first one to tell me the final score of that game against Northwest Missouri. Yeah. Uh, which was 69-63. And I think you sent it to me on Facebook. I couldn't watch it there because they didn't have Watch ESPN, so I finally watched it today. But I have to tell you, when you sent me the score, I was like, this isn't just bad. This is a scandal. Like, (laughs) this is horrible. We're going to be unranked within, like, two weeks. We're not going to make the tournament. Coach K is going to quit. Duke won't have a basketball team next year. Uh, But actually, I have to say, I watched the game today, and a few things. First of all, I knew they were the Division II champs. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that they were, I think, one of five ever uh, undefeated yeah. Division Two champs had four starters returning, mm-hmm. uh, and their style of play is like they're bombers. They yep. just love, 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 love to shoot, and they're good at it. Um, and on top of that, actually having watched the game, Duke was up by 19 with five minutes left. Yeah, until it turned into a complete like fuck around. Yep, uh, and it wasn't like that big a deal. Uh, I actually left the game feeling like definitely have my criticisms of this team, and we'll get into all of that, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it. But I didn't think it was such a big deal that they only won by six. I actually was kind of relieved at what I saw. Uh, you were there. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, yeah. I think um, seeing them, like, for, you know, first game, air quotes, of, of the season, one, like, the other team came out swinging. And they definitely brought a fight. And, like, they also had, like, a lot of their fans there. Like, they had a solid corner in Cameron. Um, and so that gave them a lot of life, which was great for them um i think a couple of things that kind of stuck out for me were our guys are very much still figuring out how to play off of one another which makes sense for at the beginning of the season and so they have pockets where that was kind of like going and they could kind of get a sense for okay i know this person's going this way so i can feed them the ball or i know how to like clean this up and get the put back um and then they would have moments where it's like what's kind of a I don't know what to do here. And nobody was kind of in a rhythm and nobody was also taking charge. Right. right, Um, and so those were the moments where it kind of did fall into a little bit of a lull. Um, but towards the end of the game, when it did reach that point where it was like, Oh, this is a little bit concerning. Um, was that it It did. (laughs) Um, and it was, it, it felt like they, they let up and they stopped playing. Um, and they were like, oh, this is done. We're up by so much. Like, we can coast for the last little bit. And yeah. then it switched real fast. And there was a moment where um, number 18 on uh, the other team, he was just hitting threes all night long. Oh, he, was, like, he, he could not great, be stopped. He's a great, he could play for of, Duke right now. Yeah, it yeah. was a thing of beauty. And, like, there were moments where I was, like, clapping for him. Because I was like, you go, dude. Especially because he was, like, tiny. Yeah. And, like, I'm pretty sure he shot over Matt Hurt shot over Vernon and maybe shot over Jack White. Um, and it was like all our lanky guys would step out and try and defend him. And he was like, nah, dude, I'm good. And like, it would just swish in and like, he couldn't be stopped. And so down the stretch, I think there were like 30 seconds left. He pulled up from half court and it just barely missed. missed. And that would have made it a single possession game. And I think if that had gone in, they might have won. Um, and so like down the stretch, it got very scary. So, um, but it was, it, it, especially as a turnaround from last year's team where it was like, if we're up, we are going to throttle you and we're not going to let up at all. Oh, we're going to bow constrictor you to death. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, these yeah. dudes, you could tell that it was like first game nerves and mm-hmm. they didn't have, they don't have enough cohesion yet um, to 
have that as a like fallback and they didn't quite have anybody to like take charge and i think they admitted the chronicle did a like report on the game afterwards and yeah. they admitted that they were nervous um and it, it shows it was so, definitely obvious yeah, yeah i think wendell moore was one guy we'll, and we'll get into that mm-hmm. he was especially uh to me looks almost like clumsy in his nervousness yep. Yep. um but it's really funny you said that about the big guys covering um trying to cover their three-point shooters yeah. because by the end of the game, like my my impression was that ninety five percent of their points had been scored against Jack White on the perimeter with guys standing like five feet beyond the three point line and Jack White just like looking really tired and like yeah. flipping a hand up and then scoring it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do I do think that like you said, there was this is kind of a thing where they obviously you know took the took the pedal off the metal, they took their foot mm-hmm. off the throttle. But I think it might be a good thing just to see how quickly things can turn around and to kind of impart the lesson. And um, I also do sort of like that, again, we were up 19 with five minutes left. So this wasn't a close game until the end, but it also wasn't a blowout. Mm -hmm. And I like, I think maybe Coach K got some good intel uh, from this game in a way that probably you don't in most exhibition games and for sure didn't in the next one where they won by, you know, 70 points or whatever it was. Um, Do you, you agree with that, that maybe this is like a... Like Coach K maybe values this. Yeah, it was great to see just an early moment of how do they respond to high pressure situations down the stretch. Um, because, I mean, as the tournament goes or as the season goes on and then looking into the tournament, like those things are going to pop up. And oh, yeah. so especially for a team that's this young, um, they're they're going to face those situations and they're going to need to learn how to respond to that. Um, and I think it also showed because uh, I think Trey and Matt were our top scorers. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, one, if you have Trey in his role distributing the ball, like he should never be one of your top scorers. Um, and so I, I think it started to kind of show like how how is this team going to have to structure an offense mm-hmm. such that um, – they can feed off one another and build energy because I think that was one thing that like they need um, is to like have that sort of like, who's going to be the guy that fires everybody up oh, yeah. um, oh, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. down the stretch in that time where things <laughs> got really contentious, like it showed that like, and I think it impressed upon them as a team, like somebody's got to take this over. Um, so I think going forward, it'll be a helpful lesson. Yeah, and it, to your point, exactly, uh, Trey Jones, 15 field goal attempts in that game, and then the next one granted a blowout, six attempts. So there's definitely, you know, there is, I don't think he'll be taking six attempts. Yeah. I think he'll be taking more most games, but I think 15 is high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, the announcers at some point were saying, Trey Jones has to score 30 points for this team, and I couldn't disagree more. I mean, if that's what we're forced to do, that's that's a bad situation, mm-hmm. and it means that we're going to be forcing a lot on offense. Yeah. Um, to start, like, talking about some of the players, I think my big takeaway um, from from the first one, and I, I didn't watch the second game because I don't think there's much you can learn from yeah. a blowout like that, but I think I think the big takeaway is our best player is Matthew Hurd. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's really, really good in yeah. a way I don't think I appreciated after the after the uh, countdown to craziness blue white yeah. game. Um, he's got a, a terrific sense of his like own body where he is on the court. He's a natural scorer underneath, and mm-hmm. and Coach K was playing him at the five, which I was surprised at. because yep. the thing coming out with him, oh, he's a good shooter. He can shoot the three. Based on what we saw last game, I don't think we're going to see him taking many threes this mm-hmm. season. He's really talented underneath. And in fact, maybe, I mean, looked a little better even than Carey, who yeah, seems, he, to have, seems to be having a slow start-ish. But yeah, tell me what you thought about Matthew Hurt, because yeah. he psyched me up a little bit. Yeah, no, I was really impressed by him. Um, and like particularly the fact that he does not... So granted, I realized I just like gave them flack for not having a dude that like fires up the team and like having a little bit of a lack in energy. Yeah. But Matthew Hurt is like cool as a cucumber on the court and he does not get ruffled easily, yeah. um, which I think speaks well for him being a really versatile player, because if you play him hard in the lane, like he's he's going to find a way to finish. Like you're not going to you're not going to be able to like bully him and like yep. get him unsettled um but he also like let's say he's not getting what he wants in the lane he can pivot outside and score from there too absolutely um and so i think having that range of threat from him is he's gonna do really well kind of having that having that space and also having that mentality and personality yeah i agree and i, I hope there's i hope and think that coach k is going to find a way to make sure that um 
we don't get in the situation where we sort of lose him underneath in games where they front him or, or half double or where even just he's up against a really good perimeter defender like we might see against Kansas. I mean, if I were Bill Self, I would be putting my best tallest guy uh, on on Hurt and saying, okay, if you kill us you know, from the outside, so be it. But uh, seeing how well he scored <laughs> inside against those guys and then the next game he was like 10 for 12 from the field. I mean, he's... He's somebody who, and what I love to see is that he can score with contact. Yep. When he he can like turn, he can do a spin move in the lane and be chest to chest with somebody leaning into him and still score, and that was wonderful to see. Um, so yeah, that that was great. Um, I do still think your energy point though. I mean, the announcers I have to say were driving me nuts, but I think the one good point they made, and I don't even know who they were. They're like yeah. the same guys who did Countdown to Craziness. Yeah. So you know, they're like they're the B team. But uh, <laughs> the one thing they said was like. Um, Everybody seems to believe and know that this is a low energy team mm-hmm. that they don't have a spark plug. Trey Jones is going to have to be yeah. that guy. But they yeah, they made a point that okay, at once upon a time that was okay to have freshmen that sort of look above them and, and slowly become that leader. Mm-hmm. At least on these Duke teams where the freshmen are so important, that doesn't really cut it. Um, and you know, to the extent that maybe I or all of us took for granted the energy that Zion brought to the table and the underrated energy that like RJ even yep. brought to the table. Um, I, I'm a little bit afraid that it's going to drive us nuts this year just to see a total lack of that. Hurt, you're right, as cool as a cucumber. We need guys like that, but we also need someone fiery. And, uh, you know, who is that? Yeah, um, that is definitely someone that I don't necessarily see a standout for who that spark plug's going to be. Um, and it's, it's a little bit concerning how quiet they are. And I think that, like... The Cameron crazies are going to have to every home game really show out and really be loud and really help, help them find that for themselves. Um, and hopefully that can push somebody to the fore to kind of be that spark plug and thinking about who like have been vocal leaders on the court from countdown and from the one exhibition game that I saw, cause I was sick and missed the second one. Um, I mean, Jav and Jack talk. You would expect that from them being seniors. We're going to need them to do more of that and, like, have more yes, of that. Yes, 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 um, sure. It seems like in the second game, Joey Baker ended up being a spark plug and it really infused energy with, like, his performance on the court. Um, so there's a little bit of hope there in, like, a six-man capacity right. um, that could be nice. Um, but I don't know if I see from the freshman um somebody who is going to be that that person that charisma that um we we need um so it i don't know i i don't really have a feel for what guy it's going to be because all of them are very quiet is that noticeable when you're actually there i mean can you tell like comparison to last year's that these guys are just not bringing sort of the energy that you that you would want yeah. Um, and like, that was one of the things that like struck me at countdown. Um, cause countdown is always one of those like awkward things as a fan, because you're, you're like, you're scrimmaging your own team. And so you don't know what cheers to do and you kind of run out. <laughs> and so there are spaces where like the crowd kind of goes quiet. And when that happened, no one on the court was talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so I like, it seems like a lot of the guys on this team are thinkers. Um, and they kind of keep, like keep to themselves and are like eyeing the court and trying to figure out where to go. Um, and so, I mean, I am that way, like myself. Right, um, right, right, right. But like somebody's going to have to push past that a little bit and start verbalizing and vocalizing and take charge. Um, and like, you know, you mentioned before, like Trey Jones can like adopt and do some of that himself um but it's gonna need to also come from come from somewhere else um and so i'm like thinking of like teams past like emil jefferson in his like senior year was awesome to watch on the court because he always brought energy he always brought knowledge he was always talking to his teammates and you know coach k forced that on him yes i mean he naturally had that to some extent right coach k i'm sure Mm -hmm. and i'm sure he's doing it with delorier and and jack white and guys like that this year too yep um but you yeah you you do need it so bad and uh i don't know it's one of those things where it it is there is a lot of responsibility on the crazies this year to to sort of infuse them with that energy at home um and i hope they do and I, i think sometimes in american sports we 
<laughs> we neglect that element of what fans must do and mm-hmm. what responsibility they have to the yep. team. Coach Kato's neglected. He yells at the crowd. Yep. You know what I mean? And so he, I'm sure he's gonna. I'm sure you're gonna see him exhort the crowd a lot this year. But I think the big worry with guys like this is when you take that cerebral, quiet approach. Um, do you remain connected and do you remain positive and even like uh, you know non-panicky when you're on a road game in the right. ACC? Or do you get split up and intimidated by the opponent crowd who are mm-hmm. always ready to go when Duke is playing? Like, I don't care, like, what crappy football school you're playing at. When Duke's in town, they're, like, the best basketball fans ever, right. just at least for that day. Uh, and so, that yeah, that's what I worry about because I think, um, you know, you see with teams, I always think, like, you really – it's not just enough to have a vocal leader sometimes – you really want your best players mm-hmm. to be the vocal leader. Really, that's the best possible situation. Yeah. And I always think it's a bit of a fraud when somebody's like, yeah, well, you know, Hurt and Carrie and, and more, they're not too vocal, but like Jack White's going to be the yeah. one to jack him up. And it's like, no, he won't. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good enough. It yeah. really is not good enough. Um, so, yeah, so that that is going to be a thing we watch all year. I mean, the Kansas game, uh, you know, it should be a friendly crowd. Mm-hmm. Duke travels well to games yep. like that. But it should be like a good indication of, what these guys do, at least when the pressure is really on, because, you know, Kansas is, I don't know what they're ranked, two or three. Matt Norlander at CBS had them as... I think they're uh, three. Yeah, I think they're three. And so, I mean, they're going to be a really good team. Mm-hmm. They've got their own things going that we'll talk about yeah. later. But, um, but yeah, I want to talk a little bit more. I, <laughs> the first note I had to myself after, after like, watching the game for five minutes is, oh, Ariana, no. <laughs> I regret to inform you that we have to talk about Alex O'Connell. Oh, AOC. Oh, I AOC. Say, like I was watching him and he's so athletic. Mm-hmm. He's really good at getting to the rim. Yep. He set himself up for a ton of like not even mid-range, like closer than mid-range jumpers off great moves. He had one huge dunk. I, he literally missed every short jump shot he took. Yeah. But I still he got he got there and I'm watching him and I'm like <clears throat> in theory this guy should be really good. I mean, he should be an energy guy because when he does things that are dynamic, they look really cool. And, like, he can get a crowd juiced up. He had, like, the dunk of the day in the game I watched. And mm-hmm. you and I have both heard that he also, like, jacked up the crowd in the yep. second game. Um, but then, like, he just vanishes and disappears. He doesn't finish moves. And I just I just wrote, like, be a pro. Take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my shitty pep talk to Alex O'Connell. But, but there is, like, a sense of frustration. I'm like, this guy could be the missing ingredient. Like the yeah. missing link to this, like that takes this team to being who knows, maybe an elite eight or final four contender. But I just feel like even by saying that, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Mm. He's gonna let me down, and he's always gonna sort of be that like Andre Dawkins ish, like vanishing, yeah. vanishing kind of talent that doesn't ever quite materialize. Yeah, is there a chance? Like I want him. I, want I him to really, be there. I really want that for him because like I have. I've been a proponent for Alex O'Connell since he started playing because when he when he gets the ball and moves with confidence, the boy's got moves. He's physically yeah. talented and gifted on the court. He knows where to place his body and the ball to get to the basket. And granted, he needs a little bit of space to clear a three, but he can shoot threes too. And so he has a really well-rounded and good game. Mm-hmm. And the one thing, my one wish for Alex O'Connell, not that he's ever going to listen to this podcast. He may. He may. I'll I'll go up to his dorm and (laughs) give him a little MP3 player. I'll give him a cassette tape. This is Alex's pep talk. (laughs) This might have to be a new section of the podcast from now on is Alex's pep talk. But like, I wish he would move from a place of strength and confidence because it's like, he does fade in games. And I think it's when he starts questioning himself that he fades in games. And... When he just, like, moves, kid's great. But then when he starts thinking about it too much and getting panicky, he he loses himself on the court. And I, I want for him to know that he is a good basketball player yeah. And, yeah. and execute that way. Totally. I, I do. I, I agree with you that he can bring a ton of energy when he's on the court and he is moving from a place of confidence. And I, I joked last last time we did this last week that um, he, you know, he shouldn't be at Duke. He should have been the best player at South Dakota State yeah. and like set records. <laughs> but like the truth is that's not that's actually not fair to him. I mean, when you mm-hmm. watch him in his athleticism, he's better than that. Yeah. I mean, he he's legitimately physically should be at Duke and he yeah. belongs here. But it's just like you said. I mean, there's there I don't think there's any player in the world for whom like the first two shots of a game matter more. Mm-hmm. Like he needs to have that confidence. Yep. And when he doesn't have it, when 
It was just like, like this stupid exhibition game against the, the Division Two national champions. Yeah. Like he he did some great moves, but he missed his shots, and then you just didn't hear from him. Yep. You just didn't hear from him. Coach K probably didn't play him that much, but it really like he vanished. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I, I just think he's gonna end up being like the most frustrating guy. Yeah, just like kind of he was last year. I yeah. Mean, so yeah, he had a last year. I think it was a game versus Syracuse that he just like utterly and completely showed out, and like it was insane and it was awesome, and we needed him to step up because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we had injured folks, and like it was just like you're. Your ceiling is so high when you know that you can play basketball. Like, believe that you can play basketball, kid. <laughs> He's like Hamlet. <laughs> He's like Hamlet. He's like, a, like, Hamlet was a prince, and he shouldn't, by all rights, have, like, come to be the king. <laughs> I mean, but you know, everybody was like, "Yeah, he's talented and like yeah. good looking, and he could have married Ophelia if he wanted." But like, True. he was just too long, like dicking around the castle doing monologues <laughs> and not being decisive and killing his uncle. <laughs> Alex O'Connell needs to murder Coach K uh, <laughs> and become the king and that he's meant his to right be. Place. Yeah. Um, oh goodness. So anyway, is Coach K dating his mom? <laughs> how, how, co- how complete is the Hamlet analogy? <laughs> Anyway, so he's oh, Hamilton. He kind of looks like he would be a, a well, Danish prince. The yeah. little like he flop could, hair. Yep, yeah. Yep. He's, His brothers also have the same flop hair. They were at one of the games, and I was like, you can totally tell that those, those are AOC's brothers. So, so kind of great. I got to tell you, I was like, I hate this hair. And then I went to Ireland, and everybody, every male <laughs> under age 25 has that hair with like track pants, like Adidas oh, track pants. Yeah. They're all AOC. They're all AOC. And then the track pants are a huge thing. So all my clothes, I didn't get to wash my clothes all week. And so I didn't have jeans by our last night out. So I myself was wearing Adidas track pants. And I couldn't get into like four or five different bars. Dang. They're like no tracky bottoms night. <laughs> because apparently that's like a symbol of violence. Oh my God. Yeah, so like basically I was a thug. But all these like thugs do have that like Alex O'Connell floppy wow. hair. So maybe he learned it from like Eurotrash. Well then know. why can't he bring that thug attitude to a basketball game? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a weird kind of thug, granted. It's like a European kind of <laughs> It's more based on, like, I don't know, like, attaching a bomb to your car. Um, Maybe don't bring that attitude attitude, to a game. But, but, you know, he should. He should bring some of that aggression. Um, Uh. So, you mentioned uh, Joey Baker. Yeah. I was pleased to see that he had a good stat line in the second Mm -hmm. game. Because in the first game, it was the second half, and he, like, took a shot. And the announcer was like, oh, Joey Baker making his first appearance. And there was ten minutes to go in the second half. And I'm like, is Coach K just trolling us? Right. Joey Baker? What is going on? And I was like, I like, I think I wrote down somewhere, like, Joey Baker is a tragic figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wow, this really is shaping up to be a Shakespearean tragedy it here. Is, it is. I don't know which one he would be. He would be like some character that doesn't appear until Act 3 and then immediately dies. <laughs> but, you know, we always talk about the bizarre way that they blew his red shirt. Oh, God. Which it is hurts still, me. It's still, still unforgettable. And then it's like, yeah, he didn't get in until 10 minutes left in an yeah. exhibition game. Um, but then... As if to just bring us back, you yeah. know, he was, let's see, his stat line was 8 for 11 from the field, team leading 22 points mm-hmm. against, um, I don't know, Fort Worth Medical yeah. School or something. <laughs> whoever they beat, whoever they beat by 70 in the second one. I, but I don't know. I didn't get to see him play in this because, again, I'm not going to watch a game where Duke wins by 70. Yeah. Or maybe, like, for fun when I'm drunk one night I will. But Fair. Not, not today. But anyway, Joey Baker, are we going to see him? Is he going to be, like, is he Justin Robinson? Who is he? Like... Does he have a chance to be good? I think he does. So, and like, this is one of those debates where it's like, people are always like, oh, Deep's, Duke's bench is so deep. And it's always like, sure, at the start of the season, when we're playing like exhibition games or we're doing non-conference play, like Coach K always rotates in like everybody, or at least like tries to. Yeah. And then when ACC season starts, he's like, he's got like an eight man rotation. And then it's only <laughs> when we're up by like a million that he starts to sub in other guys. Um, you can lose his trust so quickly, can't you? Yeah. And it's, it's like permanent when you mm-hmm, do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so with like, with Joey, I'm not, I'm honestly not sure how his season's going to pan out. If he continues producing like he did in the second exhibition game, like he's probably going to nudge out Alex O'Connell for like that earlier like spot in the rotation. Um, But then I'm like thinking about the bench and I'm like, who like, again, who's our starting five and then who would be those like two or three folks that we like sub in. Um, But I think he, in that game made a case for his versatility and his drive um, to push himself into um, actually having, like actually getting good minutes 
um, throughout. So yeah, I mean, he at least deserves a shout in the Kansas. He does game, based on that performance. Like yes, at least get the guy in there and like qual and yeah, like you said, not give in garbage time. Yeah, mm-hmm. give him a chance. Uh, I mean, we saw last year he missed one three pointer in the Syracuse game and Coach K yeah, was like, nope, you're done. You're done for the year, kid. Come back next year. P.S. Your red shirt is fucked. Yeah, <laughs> I think he. I don't. I think he like played under double digit minutes last year, and then like he's so. And then, yeah, he has games like that second exhibition game, and it's like, he's so good, though. I'm confused. It is, it is completely confusing. Um, all right, so let's talk about the other freshmen. Uh, first of all, a little bit uh, mysterious first two games from Vernon Carey, mm-hmm. who to me looked really, really good and, uh, and you know, very competent in the lane and a good true center. Yep. Um, you always worry with true centers that they can be isolated and sort of, like, find themselves lost within mm-hmm. a game. Um, but I thought, I thought, you know, he's our highest rated recruit. I think he was fourth or fifth in the class. Uh, only 10 minutes in the first game. Yeah, he didn't play a lot. Went one for three. I mean, yeah, it's four points. And I, I, I kind of don't know why he didn't get more rub after starting. Yeah. And then in the second game, he, um, again, we didn't see this one, but only played 16 minutes. minutes, you know, four for eight from the field, had a decent game with eight rebounds. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really thought we would see more of him in that first game. And I, uh, you know, it, it never... It never works to mind read, but you're like, is something wrong with yeah. Coach K? Is he not working hard enough in practice? Like, what is the deal? Playing 10 minutes that first game is bizarre right. because you had, like, you know, Cassius Stanley got 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. Deloria got 16 minutes. What Jack White had 25. Yep. Surely they're not better than Vernon Carey. And in fact, yeah. I know, I can tell you right now, they're not better than Vernon Carey. Yeah. So what's up with that? What did you see in that first game especially? So um, partly in, like, I, I think in the first half he picked up a couple of fouls really early and they were just kind of like silly mistakes um but there were also moments where he fell out of rotation so where he would end up on you know the three-point line like trying to guard dudes that were like he kind of should not have been out there guarding um so like that was the you know three that went like clear over his head and it's like if you're that big and you're going to go out to defend a three like that shot needs to be blocked into that player's face. <laughs> that's right, that's um, right. And then it like completely cleared him. And like, this was a three from like the other team's shortest player, mind you. Um, but he did, he kind of fell out of rotation and ended up in like no man's land spots. Um, and so it just kind of, you know, for me echoed back to my feeling of this team is still very much learning how they coordinate and work with one another and kind of building that trust of, I know I can stay in my spot and defend this spot because my other guys got me on the wing. Totally. Um, And so I think it was a little bit of that, like him not necessarily finding himself on the court. Um, And that was the reason why he played fewer minutes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Because he finished with only three fouls, so it's not like he was in like yeah, bad foul the, trouble either. And a couple of the fouls were iffy offensive. Mm-hmm. I think actually, in fact, all three were offensive fouls. Yeah. And and you know, again, that's always they're always almost always wrong in college basketball. Yeah. It continues to be a frustration. Yeah. Although I had to laugh at like already some of the charges Deloria has taken, mm-hmm. where he just runs into people. Yep. He's gonna piss so many people <laughs> oh, off this for year. Sure. <laughs> like they're gonna he's the guy they're gonna hate this year yep. because he just like runs into guys and the rest are like, Yes, sir, that's a charge. <laughs> you did it. He's a bad player, so it must be a charge. <laughs> he must do something right and it must be this. Um but no, I, I that was one thing I was like um talking about like contesting and closing out. Yeah. That was my one complaint on D, especially from the big men. Yep. Maybe the case that, yeah, Coach K was punishing him a little bit for being slow to, yeah. <clears throat> to close out. And also, uh, you know, not a great, uh, just as a team, um, Northwest Missouri, not a great matchup for him. Because yeah, fundamentally, they're running out at least and... four guys who mm-hmm. can hit threes mm-hmm. um, most times in the game. And so he is going to be forced, just in as you middle. said, to get out of rotation. And it's not great for him. There's no big guy he can sit inside on. Yep. Um, which is like, you know, probably other teams are taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> about yeah. that. Yeah. Get, so, get carry away from the basket. Right. Because he doesn't, like, he's not fast enough if you decide to fake and skirt around him. He's not going to, yeah. Um, and so if you do cheat him out, he's he's going to be stuck in no man's land. And then Duke also doesn't have that big man to clean up rebounds because you've pulled him out of the lane. Yeah, and, so. and it's already, you can see, such a rotten situation because, okay, you have this guy who is questionable, especially on perimeter defense, mm-hmm. if you can bring him away. Jack White and Javin Delorier are better at that, so you put them in for those situations, right. but damn it, they can't score. They're not yeah. good. Yeah. And Vernon Carey is really good, so I, you, you hate those conundrums, right. really. I mean, you really hate to see it because yeah. it's like, 
do you choose like better offense? And you know, the the sad fact is in these tough ACC games, probably you're choosing defense yep. more often. Yep. So here's hoping he can get better at that because I don't want to have to watch him stun the bench while Jack White plays all year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, hopefully in practice, because I'm pretty sure Nate James is still who works with Duke's big men. Um, and so hopefully like he can get him into shape of figuring out how to be a versatile defender because he is going to end up in situations where he's going to be defending in the in in the lane who brain is like not working right now and <laughs> on the perimeter so they're just skills he's going to have to work hard to develop over the course of the season and then okay you and i had a conversation last time about who's going to be the most important player yeah. and my take was Wendell <clears throat> Moore um yeah. because you know i think you need that one guy who's going to emerge out of nowhere yeah. and be a big contributor he was like pretty pitiful uh, yeah. against Northwest Missouri State. It looks like he did a better job the second game. Yeah, Fort Again, Valley. Yeah, I think this game is more important to look at, though. Northwest Missouri, he seemed like clumsy on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked like he wasn't a great shooter. Two for 11, you know, from the field. Uh, just out of sorts. And I hope it was nerves because yeah. I hope that's not an indication because we need him to be good. I think, and uh, he just he just wasn't. Yeah, I I ag- agree with that. Um, and I also so I was talking with I can't credit what I'm about to say to myself though I wish I did. <laughs> but I was talking with my friend Kyle during the game, the first exhibition game, um, about him and Wendell Moore. So each season Duke does like over the summer while they're training. Um, at the start of the season, they like give out the award to the player who's like put on the most muscle during the summer. Oh, got it. Okay, and he won that, and so. Uh, Kyle was saying that he wonders if it's possible that with the amount of muscle he put on, his body is now very different than it was a (laughs) summer ago. And so he's having to relearn how to like, how strong am I? So how, like, how do I, how do I shoot this shot? so that it actually goes in the basket because I'm like stronger than I was before. And when I try to like do it the way I used to, it like does crazy things. So I think there's a little bit of one a little bit of nerves because he's playing on a bigger stage, but two, physically his body is now very different and he's having to learn how to adapt his game for the like musculature that he's now put on. So basically you're saying he's the guy you play with at the YMCA who mostly only weight lifts, but comes in <laughs> and has like alligator arms and like the worst shooting for him because he's too muscle bound. Oh, good. I'm glad we have him. <laughs> I think he'll get there. I think eventually he will find his touch again. Yeah. But I think that it when Kyle said that, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. And so then he and I, Kyle and I started like watching his shot a little bit more carefully. And it's like, no, it, it is. It feels like he feels very awkward with the ball because he knows he has to shoot it differently to get the same result that he used to get. And he's not quite sure what that is yet. Um, interestingly, uh, okay, looking at the starters for the two games... This is probably reading so much so much into it that doesn't deserve to be read into it. But the three starters that stayed starters mm-hmm. were Trey Jones, Matt Hurt, Vernon Carey. Yeah. Jack White and Wendell Moore were starters in the first game and were replaced by Jordan, Jordan Goldwire mm-hmm. and the guy I want to talk about next, Kasha Stanley. Yeah. Um, I, I just think the biggest question with Stanley is are you more than an athlete? Mm-hmm. And I thought there were moments, I have to say, during the Northwest Missouri State game where it seemed like the answer might be yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had some, like, so a, a few really good passes. Yep. Um, and he, he just, you know, he obviously had a, a, an amazing block. He had one big yeah. dunk. Um, and I like the way he rebounds when he gets into it. But it seems like there's some basketball skill there. We have to see more. Yep. But I'm like, damn, this guy, this guy could be huge for us if he actually can get into the rhythm of games mm-hmm. and actually contribute offensively and he's more than just a guy you can you know jump to the to the roof yeah no i 100 percent agree with that um and it was nice to see like the in addition to the athleticism that he has um and his his own skills and you like mentioned some of the passes that he had in that first exhibition game of like him like seeing the way that he sees the court to like get know that I don't have the best chance of getting the ball into the basket, but I know that this man does, so I'm going to get him the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that w- that is such a powerful skill to have, especially when you're a scorer yourself, to be able to like pull defense and create offense for your teammates. And so I really want to see him develop more of that skill um and like just dial that up several notches because there are going to be moments where yeah he can take that ball to the basket or there are going to be moments when he can draw in all the defenders and take that ball into the basket and then kick it out to like matt hurt for a three or something like that and so i would love to see that more 
And you know, going back to Hurt again, I, I did. I don't think one thing we didn't mention is that he also seemed to be a really, really good passer. Yes. He had one look to Goldwire on a back door that was really impressive, mm-hmm. and he was just smart about where he was going with it all the time. Yep. So yeah, I, and I think it goes back to what you said in the very beginning of this podcast, which is that these guys do a couple of the guys at least, Stanley and Hurt, and obviously Trey Jones do have these skills of mm-hmm. being able to set their teammates up for offense. But it's about the interplay, isn't yep. it? And it's about getting the right lineups in there and then learning about mm-hmm. each other and being able to do this in a kind of like rhythmic way yeah. that you become a team. I mean, I yeah. guess that's like the thing you're always trying to do. But uh, it, it does seem like, you know, in the era, especially of having freshmen all the time, it, it's always the big question of whether a year is going to be long enough, right. whether whatever 30 games is going to be long enough for these guys to find that with each other. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I think we were a little bit spoiled last season because Trey, Zion and RJ coming in had become such a cohesive threesome over the course of the summer and over the course of the recruiting process. And so they really came in with this really deep friendship and like personal relationship with one another. And you I think that translates really well to building chemistry on court. Um, And so, you know, with these guys, they didn't have that same foundation coming in. So they're going to have to work a little bit harder to start learning one another's style and starting to build and feed off of each other. I keep thinking this year that I was like terribly, terribly ungrateful for RJ (laughs) last year. How many times do you get somebody who is like the number one recruit has dreams of becoming the number one draft pick? Yep. Clearly right away is not as good as Zion, but it's still awesome, but has to play second fiddle to Zion. Responds to it by being amazing, being a great friend and teammate, and never showing an ounce of ego. And like all I was doing was like getting pissed because he missed like a couple end of game shots. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you and like a lot of the rest of the Duke fandom were like in that boat. And like it is, it's a wild to think about. And like all those. I think it speaks to how spoiled Duke fans are for it like is. the amount of talent that we have like coming through Cameron. It's like a little bit outrageous to feel that way. It is so outrageous that RJ Barrett was our number two player and we're like we just fucking bitched about yep. him. Yep. Now we are, we don't even have a number two player. We have Matthew Hurt and like maybe Trey Jones. Yeah. And it's like it's just like, oh that's not gonna cut it. Um well, we do have um, our our Steph Curry look like and Justin Robinson. Okay, <laughs> I love J Rob. <laughs> Uh, mainly because I have seen the man dance before and it's very awkward, but it's hilarious. Um, and also his dad's fantastic and one of the nicest human beings on the planet. That's right. Um, but I mean, J-Rob also has like legitimate moves. Like he had some good dunks in that first exhibition game, if memory serves, or maybe it was countdown. It was one of the two. Um, but like, I also remember a game that he had last season where granted it was after the ball went out of bounds and his dad caught it and then re inbounded it. But like kids showed out and it was like, everybody was losing their minds because J Rob was like doing so good. So like he's got moves and I think he'll take advantage of the opportunities when he gets moved into the rotation. And I think he'll get moved in a little bit more this season since it's, you know, it's a senior year. Um, so I would love to see, I would, I'd love yeah. to see him contribute. Yeah. Um, I just cracked up when he nailed that three, and they get, like they panned to him. And he had like such a sneer on his face, like it was just the most natural thing in the world. They just buried a three. Yeah, it's like if you didn't know basketball, you'd assume this is like one of our best players. <laughs> and then like a second later, he like almost fell over himself getting a rebound by himself. He has very long limbs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, I see. I love it. You're the you're the J Rob defender. The I J-Rob, do my best. I'm just gonna make fun of him all season and watch him slowly get more and more irate at me. He's a beautiful man. He's a beautiful Leave him boy. alone. Leave my boy alone. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, J-Rod, we talked about Cassius Stanley. Um, and then Trey Jones. Yeah, Trey Jones needs to be the man, but he yep. needs to be the man within, like, the context of you were talking about. We can't be 15 field goal attempts and we yep. demand he score 30 points a game. Mm-hmm. That That is going to be, like, the ultimate question. I thought last year, like... It was peaks and valleys, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And the peaks, I mean, I thought he looked Tyus-like. I mean, yep. not to keep comparing him unfairly to his older brother, yeah. but I, I think he does have that. I think he has terrific vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he was working with you know two teammates who are among the best college players yeah. you're ever going to see, and he doesn't have that <laughs> this year. Uh, but he needs to be, I mean, just he needs to be superlative and do everything right and be both a sung and unsung hero yeah. of this team, which is asking a lot, quite a bit. Yeah, and it's like it's one of those things that um, 
in in being a point guard and being a really good point guard like you're creating so much for your teammates that they end up being the stars and the studs and like all of your dimes get like low-key unnoticed yes um so it is a little bit of a like thankless job but um he definitely like i I think his job and i'm gonna layer on some additional jobs that he's gonna have to have (laughs) um but not only is it gonna be offensively and like distributing for his teammates and being really clever with how he sees the court, where he sees defenders, where he sees pockets open, um, especially as they start to learn one another and fall more into a rhythm. Um, he's also going to have to continue being an excellent defender um, because, you know, of a, you know, a typical Duke team. And we saw, we saw that a lot in like last season's team, so much of their energy and momentum came from forcing turnovers or forcing, you know, the yeah. other team to like panic and they, they fed off of that. And so I think, especially in a team where you have a lot of guys who are kind of low energy just on their own, if Trey's able to step up as a defender, then that will hopefully push them to have a little bit more energy, a little bit more fire. Um, and that is a, a thing that they need. And so I think not only will he have to contribute on the offensive side of the court, but he's he's going to have to in some ways be the energy lift coming from defense too. And, you know, playing, <coughs> playing off of that last year, it you know, despite having such amazing talent and great players, we were never that great in the half-court set. Mm-hmm. And so that yep. defensive, like, you know, forcing the turnovers and, and just, you know, forcing misses and being yep. able to run off them, was enormous for us. And when we didn't do it, sometimes we lost games. Yeah. And we got better and better throughout the year and then just had a miserable game against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> However, it shows, you know, if, if you don't have shooters, which I'm absolutely not convinced Duke does, yep. even this year. We definitely didn't last year. We have more we have more options, quote unquote, but yeah. yeah. But but I mean, it's, it's are they all going to be clicking at the same day? Right. I mean, you look at the box score for, um, for the first game against Northwest Missouri, yeah. and it was, uh, let's see. Um, I'm gonna find it momentarily, but it was it was a pitiful, you know, three point total. It was two for sixteen. Yeah, and, and that's not just pretty. that's just last year. That mm-hmm. was every game last year, yep. except we still won yeah. against good teams because of who we had. Um, but that's not gonna be the case this year. If you have a two for sixteen game in the ACC, you know, against all but two or three teams, you're probably gonna lose that yep. game with this with this squad. And so yeah, so what we were talking about is you know. Even more necessary this year, I think, to score in transition, mm-hmm. to force turnovers, things like that. Um, and if we don't, that that's a death knell for us. You yeah. know, there's no Zion or RJ walking through that door to rescue us yeah. in, in those kind of games. This yeah. Year. Um, so let's talk about now. We're looking ahead. And first, I want to ask you, um, Duke University men's basketball team Uh-oh. ranked number fourth in the uh-huh. AP Top 25, ranked number fourth in the coaches poll. Do you yep. buy that? Um, so I haven't paid that much attention to the teams that are below us. Um, I do think that the teams that are above us, so it's what Michigan State, Kansas and Kentucky or Michigan State, Kentucky, Kansas, because Kansas is three. Um, I buy that they are going to be better than us. Um, I think that Duke got a lot of dividends because we're Duke. And I don't know. I, I think we're definitely a top 10 team but i don't know if four is the the right placement and like i could be wrong in that um and it could be that i am biased in looking at the way our team is different from last year's team right um but i think we're a little bit of a week four sorry for all duke fans for insulting us well no look i mean the thing is if you're ranked fourth what they're telling you is that i expect this team to be in the final four yep I mean, and that, like, to me is, like, I don't see the evidence of that. Yeah, same. Now, again, like you, I'm not going to pretend that I have a scouting report on numbers 5 through 15, but for sure, I mean, you know from from experience what kind of Duke teams make Final Fours or have the capability to. Yep. Um, So, I, you know, Matt Norlander, who is a writer, I think is a college basketball writer for CBS, I think is really good, had Duke ranked 10th, and I just want to read his blurb. He said, I actually debated sliding the Blue Devils around 13 or 14, Mm. But heading into the season, it's hard for me to make a case they can be any lower than number 10 or 11. Trey Jones will have a lot of responsibility yep. and expectation to guide the freshman-laden team. But, and this is a key point, and you and I have talked about this before, Norlander says, Duke hasn't finished atop the league standings in a decade, yet was picked to win the ACC yet again. Yeah. They straight up don't win the 
non-existent regular season championship. We yep. always hear, oh, there's no regular season championship. Yeah, but there is. Yeah, there, uh-huh. we, we know uh-huh. it. We know it. And it's, and it's a great honor, I think, to be the team that does that throughout the yep. year. And it just so happens that like teams like Virginia are really good at doing that. And UNC occasionally when, mm-hmm. when they have everything good. And Norlander ranks Virginia 7th and UNC 4th. Yeah. You know, obviously Virginia's in their equivalent of a rebuilding year. Mm-hmm. But based on the discipline that Tony Bennett always has in his teams yep. and, and the buy-in he has, yep. uh, I don't see... I can see Duke beating Virginia this year. Mm-hmm. I don't see Duke putting up a better record than Virginia. I agree with or that. Or losing fewer games in the ACC. I and agree then, with and that. And I think Carolina is probably the best team in the ACC this year. I, yep. I, I would agree with all of that. Um, and, um, yeah, I think looking at – and I haven't paid uh, strong attention to the rest of the ACC um, but I feel like one – last year was a little bit of a, like, down year. We kind of had, like, you know, four – solid like teams and everybody else was kind of like meh um and so i would buy that of the like kind of hard contenders that we're gonna be like three or you know four um in regards to like the acc and like for whatever reason virginia's defense always stymies everybody in the acc and then i just i don't get it because it's like teams for the ncaa tournament figure it out and they're able to play well against it and with, then, like, with like a day to scout yeah and it's like why hasn't like you play them every season like you see this defense why can't you figure it out but i imagine we're gonna see more of the same um this year but I know. I think the ACC is going to shake out to be interesting. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and NC State like is sort of like oh, as always like on the periphery of the top. Yeah, I'm curious what they're, they're be like, like fluttering. And like Cole Anthony for UNC, I think is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and, and I hope he's not as good as I think. Yeah, he and might like be. every now and then, like. FSU comes out of the woodwork and like, I mean, Leonard Hamilton has a very interesting take on offense and the way that he like subs pokes out. Um, Cause like he goes deep into his bench and like his dudes are like disciplined and they're in it and they all know that they have to perform. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they've, what they've got. I know they're pretty low in the, in the list, um, but I don't but, know. And he always just be... recruits clones, physical clones of yeah. each other that are all tall, long and like, yeah, pretty much like Beheim does. Like yep. he runs his own defense, um, and, and you know Hamilton doesn't do that as often. But they are all like these huge, powerful guys. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, I mean, like number ten's no different from number three. Yep, they're all uh, super lanky yeah. and like super, yeah, super strong. And it's like they their length causes issues. Like I can remember, I. I think it was last season or maybe a couple of seasons ago um, when we played them at home. And like, I used to stand in Cameron where the opposing team would come out of the tunnel to like help with load in. And like, I have never felt so short in my life when FSU players started coming out of the <laughs> yeah, locker right. room. And yeah. I was like, I like granted I'm five, nine and that's tall for a woman, but it's like, I feel like this man is like eight feet tall right now. Yeah, and like, yeah, they, yeah. they cause problems. So. That's another. And I always think they're going to be good in the tournament. And then they yeah. have a game where they score 42 points because yeah, they just don't like, have, whoops. yeah, it, it turns out you need scores. <laughs> like, like if that's all good in the ACC to upset Duke at home, when yep. like you just, you catch fire, but like it doesn't work for six games in a row. Uh, so, okay, look, we have Kansas on mm-hmm. Tuesday. We learned a little bit this week, but we're going to yeah. learn a lot more. I think yeah. from the Kansas game, um, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know much about Kansas. Um, they've got like the big dude, uh, Agbaji, who's supposedly mm-hmm. very, very good. Mm-hmm. They're also under the cloud of an NCAA investigation, yeah. which looks really bad for them. They've been accused of bribery and corruption, mm-hmm. um, which is of course ironic coming from the NCAA, but Truth. <laughs> for now we still live under their, uh, rules. Um, so they, they still have Azubuki. Um, they have a transfer from Iowa. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm re- literally reading uh, the CBS scouting report, Isaiah <laughs> Moss. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. You know they're going to be good. They're ranked yep. number two, uh, and Bill Self always has good teams. They're going to win the Big 12. Yeah. This is a good team. It's a good matchup, and it's it, we're going to see if, if Duke has anything. And I sort of expect us to lose, but I'm also hopeful. I'm like, man, if we could get the best out of Stanley and Matt Hurt and mm-hmm. Trey Jones is a great game. Maybe, yeah, maybe this Duke team does deserve a number four ranking. Yeah. Yeah, I think this will be a really good test to open the season with. Um, And, like, I told – so a friend of mine has tickets and will be at that game. Um, And he was, like, talking about, like, how he's going to be there. And he was asking for, like, my opinion on how it would go. And I was like – I feel like we're going to get walloped and like, I hope I'm wrong in (laughs) saying that. Um, But part of my reason for saying that is I feel like Kansas, like Bill Self teams always have a really physical, strong presence in games. And I don't think our team is 
set up to handle that. Um, we don't really have a lot of weight to throw around or like to contest with their like their big men. Um, and so I think it'll be um, I, I think it'll be an interesting matchup and it's going to be a matter of like it's really going to be a show of toughness. Like what, what do our guys have? Do they have a little bit of a like chip on their shoulder being that they're coming in, they have a, you know, four ranking and like, are they going to come out and like show out and be like, no, we like deserve to be here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. First five minutes, I think are going to be like fascinating and, and yeah. may even be definitive to see like how this team just psychologically comes out. Cause yeah. Kansas will come out with confidence. Um, and, you know, we're also going to get to see Michigan State, Kentucky, the mm-hmm. one and two teams later that night. So that'll be fun. But, um, yeah, Duke, Duke, hopefully, I mean, hopefully we see the personalities, even though they're quiet. Hopefully we see some guys who are out here, um, like you said, saying this is a big stage and I'm going to prove that I, I deserve to be on it. Yep. And not just deserve to be on it, but I belong on it. And we're going to go out and, and beat Kansas. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just the start of the season. Seasons are long and they change quite a bit. Mm-hmm. People get hurt. People don't get hurt. Teams change. The team that sucks in November can be great in yeah. March. But I think, you know, I think what we see in the Kansas game, uh, especially if it's negative, could confirm some things that we're probably all thinking. Yeah. And I'm hoping they can prove us wrong. They can prove those little slight negatives we have that mm-hmm. maybe we don't have the scores. Maybe we don't have the confidence and energy. Yeah. And maybe this is going to be a down year where we end up ranked 20th and, and have a six seed or, you yeah. know, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but you and I, uh, along with Aaron Christianfeld, will be watching Woo-hoo. the game Tuesday. We're going to be recording a podcast right after the game. I like so we'll it. have some instant reacts. I like it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think uh, that's going to be quite fun. Yeah, should be a good one. I'm excited. All right, cool. Shall we wrap it up? Any uh, any final thoughts or any any things to look at for the Kansas game we haven't already mentioned? Um, I well, I would add. I think because you mentioned like you think the first five minutes are going to be really important, and I think in addition to that, the first like three minutes of the second half, like every now and then, Duke has teams where it's like second half is where they show up, and like first half Last they're year. like yeah. yeah, like first half they kind of like struggle to get it all together, and then like second half they come out guns blazing, and it's like yes, this is the Duke team I want to see. Um, so I think the first couple minutes of the second half are going to be really important for them too um if they're up can they can they stay that way and can they keep their foot on the gas and keep pushing um and if they're down can they fight their way back so it's gonna be dramatic i'm really really excited for this i I think this duke team is going to be fun to follow in the sense that uh we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see them grow i Mm -hmm. mean if they're gonna be really good and i liked you know you like bits and pieces of what you see and you're like this team has enough interesting parts that I'm into it. Yep. I don't have high expectations, but then again, secretly, I, I do hope for the best. I do yeah. hope that the ingredients mesh well. Exactly. By the end of the year, we see something awesome. And I'm just so excited to see us take the court again in a big stakes game against yeah. Kansas. Maybe we win and get the sour taste of Michigan State yeah. out of our mouths. And, uh, and, you know, hopefully some of these guys show that um, they're studs. They're studs in waiting. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. This Sweet. was fun, Ariana. It was indeed. I'm excited for the third installment on Tuesday. Sounds good. And we're going to have, a, not only are we going to have a third installment, we're going to have an official name. Woo-hoo. We're going to put this shit on iTunes. I like it. Uh, and we're going to have like a, a site. We're going to have an actual hosting site and thing, not just SoundCloud. God bless you, SoundCloud, but you're always a placeholder. <laughs> you were Greg Paulus. Um, oh. <laughs> I mean, not wrong, but. <laughs> it was Greg Paulus. It was like Greg fine Paulus at Duke or at Syracuse when he played football. It was Syracuse. <laughs> I was Syracuse here at Paulus. At Duke, he would be like um, GeoCities. <laughs> Does that still exist? <laughs> I, I hope not. And that's a perfect <laughs> All right, folks. We will see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>